Hey, what's going on? Welcome back to Season of Life. I'm your host, DJ Sixsmith. Each week here on the podcast, we take you beyond the field for conversations with athletes about life after sports. Today's guest is David Schumann. David was once working in business, rising his way to the top of the ladder. And then he decided to go back to football. Since then, he's worked with Joe Hayden, Tyrod Taylor, and Marcus Mariota. Let's take a listen to his story. Hey, what's going on, everybody? DJ Sixsmith here with you. Welcome back to Season of Life. Today, we're joined by David Schumann. He, of course, is a former UConn linebacker. He's doing some incredible things with football in the high school football realm. David, it's great to have you on. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. You got it. So let's start off by talking about your football career. Take me back to UConn, your time playing for Skip Holtz at UConn. What do you remember most about your career? Well, I remember it was a lot of hard work. Um, you know, we started out uh, before Skip Holtz came in. There was another coach there, Tom Jackson. And for me, I started out as a running back. Um, I was starting to pull back there as a redshirt freshman. And then um, Skip Holtz came in and uh, changed my position around. I had an injury to sat out a year and then played my last two years as a linebacker starting uh, the, first, the last year and a half. So, um, it, it was it was up and down a career from a football standpoint, but I really learned a lot um, uh, from Coach Holtz, especially about uh, what it means to become a team and, and to get after um, the things that you want to get after and, and have a dream and have a passion for it and and kind of live it each day with excellence. So you got your master's degree when you were at UConn, and you were always interested in business and technology. When did you first start to think about life after sports and getting involved in something business-wise? My, start, I, my father uh, did not allow me to not think about uh, life after sports. So uh, he always instilled in me, even when I was in high school getting recruited, that um, you have to have, you know, I know you'd like to go on and play in the NFL, but you have to have plans for what you want to do for the long term in life and so, you know, that really started me thinking even back in high school as to what I wanted to do. Um, and then it really accelerated when uh, I, had, I had one year left of eligibility uh, from a football standpoint. And I was graduating, graduating four years. And um, in that fifth year, I was able to go and get my MBA. So uh, basically, I got into the MBA program, and uh, that first year was paid for, you know, through football. So that really helped to accelerate that path right away. I went straight through and got my MBA. A lot of people don't do that, uh, but for me it was great. I mean, I was one of the youngest people in the MBA program, and I got to learn from other people's experiences, which really kind of started that really business bug for me. Yeah, it's really huge, and taking a look back, it certainly has benefited you. But, David, when you first walked away from football and your career was over, what was the toughest part about that transition into regular life? Um, really being in the locker room, being a part of being a part of something you know bigger than yourself. Um, I love, absolutely love competing in sports. In high school, I was a, a track athlete and football player, and I just love the competition. Um, you know, I love going, you know, to the game and playing and and uh, competing, and I love the, you know, the camaraderie and the friendships from from guys that I played football with. I mean, those have stayed with me throughout, you know, my lifetime. So um, I think those are things that you really miss. You kind of miss. You don't miss. And for me, at least, 
I, I, I did admit, um, you know, the times you'd be getting yelled at or, or uh, um, waking up at 6 a.m., but it, it's not about the working hard that, that uh, I miss, but I, I miss the fact of doing it with, with other people with the same exact mindset. That seems to be the common theme for people that come on the podcast, just the teammates, the camaraderie, and that's really a huge gaping hole. But for you, David, you had a lot going on in terms of working in the business world and working with technology. And, you know, the 1990s were pretty interesting, just given the rise of the Internet and everything going down with the Internet boom. So when did you realize that the Internet was going to be something big and how did you take advantage of that? Well, there's a couple of instances of it. Um but I was actually in grad school as I had to stay for one more year uh, to finish my MBA program. I was no longer playing. I actually had started a website, believe it or not, uh, back in 1998 that allowed people to uh, purchase term papers and those kind of things <laughs> directly through the web. And um, it was kind of, I would say, it's kind of like a little bit of a shady business. But Just a little bit, yeah. It was a way for me to make extra money at the time, and um, I, I enjoyed learning about uh, the technology in there. So we completely leveraged. We built, I built my own website. Uh, I taught myself HTML at the time, a little bit of JavaScript, and I did it over um, winter break when everybody went home. I stayed on campus and just read and read and read. And uh, by the time everybody came back, I built that site, and all of a sudden we were getting clients from all over the country. So I knew it was going to be something at that point. Um, I just didn't know completely how to leverage it. And then it was, uh, you know, I really learned how to begin to leverage it again when I started my first job. I worked as a strategic analyst for a this large tech company, um, but it was my second job at a company called Channel Communications, which they did strictly web development, um, all kinds of different web technologies back in early, uh, early 2000, 2001. Uh, and we really did large-scale projects for like companies like Karen Fitzgerald, um, Merrill Lynch, um, Chase Manhattan Bank at the time it was called Chase Manhattan Bank, and then a bunch of dot coms as well that would come in almost literally every day with some sort of funding that they had to get something built. So a lot of them that are no longer around. But I really got uh, a great indoctrination into it. Uh, there wasn't a lot of uh, experienced people back then, uh, whether it was young or old. So I was at a very young age, I was senior vice president of a uh, I think it was like a $10 million company mm-hmm. at the age of 26 years old. So I got a lot of experience really, really quick and, and learned how to leverage it. Um, but it wasn't until I started my own company that I really got to, to kind of do it on a, a much larger scale. That's really an incredible story and all beginning with putting term papers online. And you just mentioned the fact that you were a senior vice president And you know, David, September 11th, 2001 really changed a lot of things in this country, and a lot of people lost people that they knew and family members. And from what I've read about you, September 11th really had a significant impact on your career and your life. So when you look back to that event and kind of how you made your pivot in your career, how did September 11th change things for you? Yeah, I I mean, I kind of, from that first start, I always said that entrepreneurial bug and, and was trying to figure out, you know, I love sports and what I could do to 
kind of meant that into my world again. And when September 11th happened, it really kind of got me to accelerate that process. Um, the company, one of the companies I mentioned work with was Kenner Fitzgerald. Um, you know, I'd be up there for meetings. Um, every once in a while, a lot of people I met with, you know, quite a few of them passed away in, in 9-11. My cousin, who got out of the, um, uh, the building right before it came down, uh, luckily she she was she survived, but it was a lot of people that you know, especially coming from and living at the time in, in, in outside of New York City, and I was in New York City for a while um, the year before, so I lived there. So I mean, that impact was huge on me. Uh, it really kind of, uh, and and you may have heard this from other people they've talked to that kind of were impacted by 9/11 in different ways, but. It impacted me in that I really thought that I had to kind of figure out a way to, to to give back to something that I love, find something that I enjoy doing. And uh, for me, business initially was about trying to be as, as successful as possible and try to climb as high as possible, as fast as possible, and hopefully be free for financial rewards. 9-11 really got me to take what I was already kind of thinking about, changing course, and accelerated that, and um, so after that, I started coaching. I coached track, and at my old high school, I coached football. I was an assistant there, and uh, my father was a track coach at is the head was a head track coach at my old high school. So uh, he asked me to help out, and then I started training athletes and working with athletes there, and, and kind of launched my company from that standpoint. So when you think back to the start of your coaching career. How did the reality of it compare to what you thought it was going to be? Well, it, you know, it's, it's funny because uh, I've now been coaching football since, I guess it's 2000, I want to say 2002. Um, yeah, it's the fall of 2002. And, and I coached track thing in the spring of 2002. It was the first time I started coaching track. I really didn't want to coach football. When I, when I, I came to my father, you know, said, hey, why don't you come coach track with me? Um... You know, I was I was beginning to, to start a business, and I, so I moved home. Actually, at that point, well, what moved to my father actually, and uh, I wa- I didn't want to coach football because I, my concern was that I would become addicted to it, <laughs> and uh, it would take over my life because that's kind of how I was. So, um, so I avoided it the first spring, and then right in the summertime, I guess um, the the head football coach. Uh, he had asked me, and I was kind of not really that interested in it. Um, but then once the, once the defensive coordinator came over, cornered me, and said, "Hey, we really, we really like to have you. We need someone who, you know, has college experience to help out." And uh, and I was like, "You know what? I, let me try it for a year." And uh, so I started from that standpoint. But the challenge was really um, learning how to motivate athletes. Um, trying to get the best out of them, showing them uh, that you cared about them so you could create that knowledge base for them. David, you've been motivating athletes for years now, I mean, over a decade, and you've really created a nice niche for yourself in terms of working with high school athletes, creating camps, creating opportunities for low-income kids, high-income kids. How did you first recognize that there was a need for this in the football marketplace? So I I had a company that uh, trained athletes in – Speed, quickness, and agility, and I had opened up a training facility, and we were looking for ways to 
reach more football players, essentially. Um, we had a few play- football players that worked with us, but we were looking for ways to reach more. So what I decided was, you know, I started a combine and uh, evaluate those athletes, bring together some really good coaches, and basically see what happened. And um, our focus was uh, on underclassmen. So at the time, most events were, were for rising seniors, so we focused on rising uh, sophomores and rising juniors. And it turned out we were basically the first event to do that, and we had guys like Joe Hayden, Tyrod Taylor, so people from all over the country came in from an event, and basically what happened was I threw it up on. At first, I was sending out you know flyers to high school coaches, but then I developed a website, threw it up there, and people started signing up from all over the place. And so we had a one camp with we had I think like 60 pre-signups, and we thought it was you know it's going to be a modest camp and uh, something that we might be able to find some more classes for our training facility. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we showed up there. There was a line around the door of kids wanting to sign up that day. So we had like 85 or 90, something like that, sign up for people walked up. Yeah, so many different guys have benefited from your camps. And you mentioned Tyrod Taylor before and Joe Hayden. Who are the first couple of guys that are in the NFL now that you like to rattle off their names and that you're most proud of knowing that they got their start with you? I mean, those two, because it was the first camp, you know, really, really was the first camp. Um, is they've been a, been around for the longest journey. Um, you know, I I know uh, Joe Hayden's father. He's a trainer down in Maryland. That you know, I've, I've known him all these years. Like to this day, you know, every once in a while we'll talk. Same thing with Tyrod Taylor's father. I think I think those are the things that are that are really special. That you know, if I pick the phone and call Mr. Taylor we could have a conversation, you know, and I think that's really cool. Um, but there's there's a multitude of guys that, that have come through. I mean, Marcus Mariota, uh, you know, came all the way from Hawaii, played in our All-Star game, is, is nothing short of a gentleman. He's a gentleman all the time. And, uh, you know, the fact that he's gone on to, to the NFL and, and has been successful, it, it's really cool to see uh, Landon Collins, who I still will have conversations with from time to time to this day, you know, with the Giants and, and having seen him go through every one of our camps, um, you know, coming a star at Alabama and then, and then obviously now in the NFL, you know, emerging as a star. I mean, those things are really rewarding. And, David, finally for you, you've had multiple careers since your football career ended. So for those people who are just making the transition now into life after sports, what would be your main piece of advice in order to have success? Yeah, find something that you want to be about, uh, something that you're passionate about, something that you think you can be successful at, and, and just get after it. You kind of control your own destiny, and if you want to get after something and, and go do it, um, you know, go all in and, and put all your chips into the, to the middle and, and be all in on it and, and try to be the best you can be at it. And not be afraid of the fact that uh, you might choose the wrong path. And don't get caught in the fact that what people want you to be is all that you can be. You can be whatever it is you want to be. And if it fails, that's okay. That's perfectly okay. David, thanks so much for coming on. and. Best of luck with everything going forward. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me on the podcast.